Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Elaine Roja Castillo of Chicago, Illinois. Elaine will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Jamie Beebe. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedurals, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 4, Episode 24, Perfect. Jessica, are you pregnant? He chose me to be one of the mothers of the future. So he told you that you were carrying... A cloned baby. To help a couple whose baby died, I'm going to bring that child back to life. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. How are you sure it's me and not a clone, Kevin? Real uh, question. I, it would be impossible to know. <laughs> impossible to know. And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Strictly Stalking podcast. It's Jamie Beebe. Hi, Jamie. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. So your podcast doesn't go into other crimes. It's strictly stalking. <laughs> it is. Just stalking. It's a very specific genre. It is. Very like I don't think anyone's done Elaine it. that she's decided to stand. I like it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different types of stalking cases out there, so we're kind of covering them all. Is it true that you once once found an image of Jesus in your kitchen table? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that is true. What happened to that table? I still have it actually. Oh, the Pope didn't want it or Isn't anything? Isn't one of those things you can sell on eBay for like $70 million? Oh. I tried. I think that's a myth. No one bought it. Oh, it's definitely a buyer's market. Then. Yeah. the most random fact any of our guests has ever had. Is that going to be like when you go on Jeopardy someday, that's going to be the fun fact about you that you tell Alex Trebek before totally. you start playing the game? Totally. <laughs> it's a good one. Well, you are also a casting director in Hollywood, mm -hmm. and you've casted such projects as Killing Time, Paradise City, and Stay Out of the Fucking Attic. <laughs> I guess I know what genre that one is. <laughs> so every week on SVU, there are like five witnesses, three victims, six cops, a lab tech, a, a jury? naked body. Yeah, right. <laughs> a jury. <laughs> is that a casting director's dream job or nightmare? Oh, gosh. Um, maybe a little of both. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the people you're working with a lot of times you're working, who you're working for. I think it'd be great. I'd love to cast some Law & Order. What would you look for in a body? Uh, you know, probably the ability to stay still. 
Yeah, that's a big important. <laughs> Check. Okay. Kevin, you'd be so good at that. I'd be so good at that. <laughs> Jamie, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Oh, Olivia and Sabler. Ah. All right, classic choice. Yeah. Of course. Are you excited Stabler's coming back? I mean, that is if they ever shoot anything ever again. <laughs> I am so excited. I can't wait. Like, I, it has to happen. I mean, hopefully we'll be shooting again. <laughs> Everybody should wear a mask so just so we can get to that point, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and Jamie, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. That's hard to say. Um, who's the blonde lady? No, it doesn't narrow it down. There was Alex Cabot, Mm -hmm. and there was Casey Novak. Oh, no, 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 Casey. She's the second one. Yeah. (laughs) She's sassy. And she's sometimes redheaded. She switches. That's true. Yes. A little indecisive there. Yes, she's like very hair fluid. She is a little sassier than the first one. Yeah. First blondish lady. The first one. (laughs) You got to get your sass going. (laughs) All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Special Victims Unit, Season 4, Episode 24, Perfect. Well, who could possibly believe New York police officers could accidentally shoot a bystander in a dark alley? (laughs) Tucker calls in SVU because how else are you going to cover this up? (laughs) The the victim had burns and roach bites and one other important detail. Only problem is your Jane Doe was already dead when the perp shot her. That son of a bitch lucked out. The cops at the scene said she was still warm. So did my assistants. But by the time they got her back here, her lower extremities were already stiff. She was going into rigor. Well, she had to be dead four or five hours before the shooting then. That's about right. The victim is Samantha Tassler, a teen who disappeared from Pennsylvania a year ago. She was wearing a custom-made necklace with an infinity symbol purchased in bulk by Dr. Garrett Lang. He's a practitioner who thinks hormones are the key to the fountain of youth. But he says he doesn't know Samantha. Warner reports the victim died of a blood clot from dehydration, and she was eight weeks pregnant. And that 14-year-old still had more eggs ready to go than a Greek diner. Oh. Suspecting Dr. Lang filled her up with hormones for in vitro fertilization, Benson and Stabler visit a girls' nonprofit school started by Lang and run by elderly school marm Paula Haggerty. There they find Jessica Morse, reported missing a year ago, wearing the same necklace as Samantha. They arrest Paula and bring in all the girls, reported missing from around the country, but none of them want to go back to their parents. It's then, hours after bringing everybody in, (laughs) they say, hey, maybe there were some more girls in that basement or something. They return only to find that the place has been cleaned out. Mm. Okay, so let's start with that shootout. Shall we? 2-2 Henry, slow everyone down. We got one under. Anyone hit? Just as much. Winged him in the arm. Bus is on the way. Here's his piece. Hey, guys, you better check this out. What? See, those cops were a little too casual about the Hogan's Alley shootout when it was over. It's like, hey, it's Miller time, and oh, wait a minute, look over there. <laughs> What's this? The random body. <laughs> oh, no. Just when we thought we could go back, this is going to be a whole lot of problems. <laughs> Also, in the end, like, they're trying to figure out, like, who might have shot yeah. this girl. And so they got laser beams and pointing different things. And this person was here, this person was here. They all fired on the run, so it could have been any one of them. And there's our bullet path. Hal, you be Officer Taylor. Benson, you take Bailey. Stabler, you're the perp. We'll see where the laser lands. They said, oh, it was the perp. 
But I'm looking at that like, why is the perp closest to the street and the cops are in the alley? Did the perp trace the cops into the alley? <laughs> Makes no sense He's to me. He's a little me. bobbing and weaving on his way out. It's, I did like how this episode opened with like some stunt driving. That was exciting. That's not something we very often see. Like car that sort of came up and like spun out in front of the... Am I the only one who noticed that? It was pretty exciting. Did they mean in the first... The first Three like, seconds. seconds of the show, yes. Oh, yeah. That was the thing I noticed first. And the second thing I noticed uh, like, made me raise a question, which is, did Olivia borrow Logan's coat? Oh, this is the year of the brown leather jacket. <laughs> and the short hair. That's right. I'm very obsessed with the outerwear on this show, Jamie. I don't know about you, but I think about it all the time. Oh, totally. Look, Olivia has everything. She's got fashion, style. I mean, she's, I love her. If I, if I was ever going to date a woman... It'd be her. 100%. Yeah. I don't think cool, you're yeah. the only person who feels that way, frankly. I, I think most of the world does. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, they're complaining about being roused in the middle of the night. Yeah. Full makeup and contouring. Jesus, I know, right? <laughs> I woke up like this. <laughs> <laughs> My eyeshadow always looks just like this. <laughs> no dark circles under the eyes, nothing. Yeah, no wonder it smells fishy. Tucker wants Benson and Stapler to cover it up. And she's like, no fucking way, man. You think the perp shot her? No, you think the cops accidentally shot her and you're trying to pull us into your mess by calling it an SVU case. Come on, SVU knows how to protect victims and deal with families. What do you mean you want us to keep this under wraps? We want this to look clean from the beginning. So I'm asking for a favor. All the times that you people at IAB jammed us up and now you want to play nice, you've got a set of balls on you asking us for anything. If we find out that a cop shot that girl, you expect us to keep it quiet? I do have a problem with this show's relationship with internal affairs, mm-hmm. okay? This is a problem. It's a problem that we constantly see cops on TV that we're supposed to admire and like think of as heroes Yeah, that have a real problem with accountability in their jobs. We don't like it when you try to hold us accountable for doing things right. That's problematic. Yeah, Jamie, that's actually Tucker's real job is that if a cop did something wrong, he's supposed to know about it. He's <laughs> right. not supposed to bring in people that he doesn't really like and say, hey, man, can you help me out in this one? So, quick question for you. Yeah. If you just saw this, was a season four? Mm-hmm. You just saw this scene between Olivia and Elliot and Tucker. Would you ever imagine that, like, in just a few short years, Olivia would be in bed with that guy? <laughs> you mean 10 seasons later? I mean, I think I think the sexual tension was there. <laughs> when she said, the ball's on you. The ball's on you. She was thinking, hmm. The ball's, the ball's on, on you. you. <laughs> yeah, they were walking away, and he was all, I'm pulling the favor card. <laughs> turn like, what? You're doing it now? So yeah, I mean, I, I 100% see them sleeping together 10 or 15 seasons after life. <laughs> Smoldering passion. So they go to the custom jeweler who says, oh, yeah, that's mine, and not, shit, I had to make a hundred of those by hand. Exactly. That would that would be the first thing I would remember, for sure. Here's the right. cramp. <laughs> Here's the only bulk order I've ever received at my tiny little store. Right. <laughs> you know, I learned something really interesting in this episode. What's that? Cockroaches don't bite unless you're sitting still. Huh. Oh. What's up with these burns? That's what they look like. But they're actually cockroach bites. Well, if she was homeless, she could have gotten them from living on the street or after she died. Except the bites wouldn't swell if she was dead. And the roaches wouldn't bite unless she was immobile. Did you catch that? In yeah. That- Kevin would be really good at getting cockroach bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had no idea. I mean, they've always kind of freaked me out. I assume they just come after you, but... 
You have to hold very still for them to attack. Hmm. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I've had a few times in my life, you know, my sister lives in Manhattan and, you know, there's cockroaches everywhere there. I don't care how fancy you are. There's cockroaches everywhere. Right. But I actually, the first time I ever saw cockroaches, I didn't know what they were. So I didn't know to be scared of them. I was like, oh, just look at that bug, right? Look at that big bug. That's really interesting. (laughs) And then as soon as I realized it was a cockroach, I suddenly was revulsed. Like, I really do think these bugs just get a hugely bad rap because we think we're supposed to hate them. But now that I know they bite you if you stay still, maybe it's not so undeserved. There are woke statements, and then there are woke statements, Rebecca. (laughs) Let's hear it for the cockroaches getting a bad rap. Wow. I feel like they're doing well during the pandemic, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, leave them alone. They're good. So uh, that little tip on the, um, the necklace, that leads them to Dr. Lang, who offers a stabler chance at some treatment. Mm-hmm. You're what, early 40s, right, detective? Late 30s, why? Do you ever feel that your stamina is declining? That you don't have the energy you used to, or that you lost your edge? No, but let's say that I was. Well, then I'd put you on a course of human growth hormone and testosterone therapy. I guarantee you'd be a new man in the squadron, not to mention the bedroom. Mm. I think the last thing Stabler needs is more testosterone. Yeah, I don't think he needs more kids. Yeah. I don't think he needs more bedroom time. <laughs> and does this doctor realize he's a discount Ashton Kutcher, or is that just me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I lo- when I was watching, I looked back and was that Ashton? Like, no way. Was it like an, uh, uh, a different looking Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> like, it looks so much like him, but but like not quite. Just off enough. Like, yeah. like he's like the cousin. Yeah. He's like that guy who's Tom Cruise's cousin who was in Lost, where you're like, see it. Like when he's at a certain angle, <laughs> and the rest of the time yeah. you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. What's, what relation? He's like one of those weird Baldwin brothers. <laughs> All the features totally. just sort of in the wrong order. Like a photocopy of a photocopy <laughs> of a photocopy. Yeah. You have to have something charming if you're going to be like this cult leader. Yes, true, right. so true. He's got the Ashton Kutcher cult leader vibe. <laughs> I join. You know, <laughs> you'll notice when the subject comes up that Finn says. No, it's the same excuse people use to get high. The doc's nothing more than a dealer with a license. Huh. You know what that is? What? Sweet wisdom from Finn. <laughs> Sweet wisdom from Finn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at our cast. We have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. So we have uh, Robert John Burke as Ed Tucker, appearance four out of 30. This girl was tortured. And we have no idea who she is. Peter Herman, uh, you know, a.k.a. Mr. Mariska Hargitay. Yes. He's playing attorney Trevor Langan. No, but I'd advise you to consider what Miss Cabot is saying. Uh, we also have Chuck Cooper, who plays Mr. Tassler. We've enrolled her in one of those remedial tutoring centers, you know, kind of with private instruction. He was uh, Drew McDaniel, the guy who had his kidney stolen in the 1990 episode Sonata for a Solo Organ. You remember oh, him? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. But we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Uh, who is playing Discount Kelso? Do- <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lang. Anyone know the name of that actor? I don't. Okay, that's Gail Harold. I believe that it is possible to clone a human being. Well, that's now illegal in this country. Well, it won't be once we start dying off. Uh, who for five years was the lead character, Brian? On Queer as Folk. Okay. On Showtime. Mm-hmm. We didn't have Showtime back then. We couldn't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also played Wyatt Earp on Deadwood. Oh, he did? He did. A show I actually did watch. Yeah. Do you remember him, though? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember a discount Ashton Kutcher, Wyatt Earp. Maybe it's because he had a cowboy hat or something like that. Uh, I feel like if I didn't mention that Jessica's mom 
is played by Anna Holbrook from Another World and One Life to Live that Rebecca is going to blow a gasket. 100%, yep. Did you notice her? I did, of course I did. She didn't have a single line. <laughs> she was in the room, though. She was in the room. <laughs> and why would Jessica run away from that beautiful, huge house? I, Real I don't question. know. We'll have to get to that. <laughs> also, uh, Kelly Brown is Jessica. She was 11-year-old Mara Lewis on Guiding Light. Ah. My parents oh, they didn't understand me. Uh, good cast there, but we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's that girl. And she is playing... The matronly Paula Haggerty. What's her name? Rebecca? That's Barbara Barry, who played Mrs. Barney Miller on Barney Miller. Yes. I finally remembered it. When we were watching it, I was like, I know, I know her. She's like that very, very, very iconic familiar. We fought constantly. And then one day I woke up and she was gone. In her note, she said that she had to leave because she she had to find a a mother. But she's been in so many other things. Yeah. But that was the thing that I think we all first saw her in. You, you, did you watch Barney Miller, Jamie? I did not. Jamie was yeah. like, I wasn't born. I guarantee Jamie wasn't born when Barney Miller was in. I was born quite a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> she just... I was born in the late 70s. Oh, then you were born after Barney Miller. I think it was on like to like 75 or 78 or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I was born around that time. She's an Academy Award nominee. Mm. And she was nominated for this very episode. Really? Uh, 2003 Emmy Award as Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama. I mean, Bill Cosby won the Bob Hope Humanitarian Award oh. that year, so I mean, what the fuck, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that fucked up years. Yeah, so Barney Miller, uh, she was the mom in Breaking Away, mm-hmm. uh, that movie. She was well, nominated for- the bicycle for, one. Yeah. Uh, she was also the the aunt of those hot doubleman twins in Double Trouble in the eighties. <laughs> oh my god, those girls! Uh, Barbara wrote a book called Second Act, which is about her thirty year battle with irritable bowel syndrome. <clears throat> Excuse me. Listen, that's a serious thing. It is. I not know mean to make fun. I know it's I know. a thing. Serious. I don't. I wouldn't write a book. But no. And how about the actress playing attorney Joan Quentin? Oh, the lady with the weird accent? Yeah. No idea. Who's that? And you believed that Samantha should be punished, didn't you? Yes, but not like that. So you're just as responsible for her death as anyone. Objection. Withdrawn. That's Laura Haring. You'll remember her as the amnesia victim and Naomi Watts' seductress in Mulholland Drive. Nope, don't remember that. Oh my God, she was on that too. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember. I saw Mulholland Drive. Yeah, Mulholland Drive, which according to her IMDb biography, was voted the best film of the 21st century in multiple polls. It should be noted that Laura Herring's IMDb bio was written by Laura Herring. (laughs) (laughs) Where is she from? She's from Mexico. Oh. Originally from Mexico. She doesn't sound like she has the strangest accent in this yeah. episode. Yeah. She, uh, it declares that she has been compared to Rita Hayworth and Ava Gardner. Please. But quote, but Laura Herring is her own person. Oh, my God. Thank, <laughs> nice job, Laura Herring, writing her own biography there. Yeah. Former Miss USA, professional tango dancer, married the great-great-grandson of Otto von Bismarck, <laughs> whose name is... Carl Eduard Otto Wolfgang Jamie Anders Goff von Bismarck Schoenhausen. Does she have a picture of Jesus on her dining room table as well? No, I don't think she does. <laughs> Not everybody gets that. Yeah, only only the special people. So uh, number seven, number seven on the list of ten fun facts about her says that when she was twelve years old, <laughs> she she was shot in the head. What? 
<laughs> she was shot in the head. His car was parked. There was a gun battle, like two or three cars farther back. Stray shot, hit her in the head. Was she already dead at the time? No, <laughs> no. But I'm sure around like craft services, they were all talking, reading their script. She goes, "Oh yeah, you know that actually happened to me too." Right. <laughs> so old lady Haggerty, who old has lady the Haggerty, it's so mean. It is. She's probably like my age when she filmed this thing, and you're calling her old lady Haggerty. Nope. Uh, <laughs> she has that infinity tattoo on her wrist, uh-huh. and she tells the detectives that the girls weren't kidnapped, that they came willingly because they were mistreated at home. I was just trying to help them. They left home because their parents mistreated them. Mm. And they ask, well, how do you know they were mistreated? And you know this how? Mrs. Haggerty has a master's in child psychology. She has a master's degree. <laughs> really? <laughs> Be like a bloodhound, too. <laughs> and Huang takes... One look at them through the glass, and he says, they've been brainwashed. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very good psychiatrist. He is. He has a master's degree. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait, I have a master's degree. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, like, just use that as an excuse when things come up, like... I, I don't know. I, I think that milk's gone bad. And you say, no, I have a master's. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Why should you make a podcast? I have a master's degree. There you go. <laughs> Completely. Which makes you six years of higher education more qualified, overqualified for a yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I can use it in every instance, in, in every scenario. That's my excuse for everything I want. It's a great card to throw out. Yeah. When she was filming uh, Stay the Fuck Out of the Attic, she was like, sorry, I have a master's degree. You didn't get the part. <laughs> That's exactly what I told people. When I, when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, I was like, sorry, I have a master's degree. You can't say. <laughs> I know shit when I see it. Yeah, completely. Because I have a master's degree. I've seen shit. Kevin, I have a question for you. All right. Benson and Stabler are in a car. Mm-hmm. About 75 feet away across the street, <laughs> they see a girl... And they say, I've seen that girl before. Her face looks familiar to you? Yeah, that girl from the posters on the Upper East Side. You shorten her hair and you change her back to dark brown. That's Jessica Morris. Disappeared about the same time as Samantha, presumed kidnapped. What the hell did we step into? Now imagine she has shorter hair and also hair that's a different color. That's the missing girl from those posters a year ago. That is crazy. <laughs> I can't remember which day is trash day. (laughs) And you're like, oh, yeah. Kevin, you see the women that we have lived next door to for 10 years, and you still have to say, what was her name again? (laughs) Yeah, that's why. I'm a casting director, and I don't recognize people. (laughs) I don't know how they're doing it. And I have a master's degree. (laughs) No clue how they're getting by with this. So they like they rush back to the learning center, and the learning center. yeah, the learning center <laughs> with the fake telephone right, noises. Right. <laughs> Again, a little too quick to make the arrest and just walk away, right, with everybody. Uh, so they head back uh, with fifty guys mm-hmm. that they had to like ground up, and everything is gone. So Benson turns to one of the techs and says, "We need every piece of dirt off the floor in every room. Any reasonable surface gets dusted for prints." I want the dirt from the floor. From everywhere. In other words, you want us to vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jamie, what the hell are they going to learn from the dirt in the closet about like where all the school desks went? Well, you know, scientists have master's degrees. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, there's there's a lot actually that you can learn from the dirt on the floor in the closet. Um, that could be where the cockroaches were. <laughs> right there. Well, we found the cockroaches. We found the cockroaches. This is where she was immobilized for a long period of time so they could climb in and bite her. You know, if you're moving, they won't bite you. We found cockroaches in the basement. Get a warrant. Go to yeah. a judge. It's enough. We if, found cockroaches in New York. Well, obviously a crime was Yeah, but they were brainwashed. They were brainwashed. I can tell. because I have a master's. <laughs> Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University, that's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. And now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. So, who tipped off the foundation for knowledge expansion? The cops were coming back. Benson and Stabler learn Dr. Lang and Paula Haggerty are using the same criminal defense attorney. Do you know how much she's helped runaways? You mean after she kidnaps them? You're wrong, detective. And what about Samantha Tassler undergoing in vitro fertilization, which you happen to perform? Are we wrong about that, too? Any OBGYN who's a fertility specialist could have done that. Yeah, but she and the other girls weren't wearing any other fertility specialist infinity necklace. How is Lang getting all these people to be loyal to him? It appears he's just really, really nice to them. (laughs) Samantha's parents say, well, she'd been going to a learning center for tutoring. There are branches of knowledge builders in every city where the girls disappeared from, and the director of the center also has that same infinity tattoo. And because the episode was too realistic, we learned that Jessica is pregnant, carrying a clone baby yeah. implanted by Dr. Lang. Yeah, she is. The detectives find the doctor's secret clinic where he's making medical history. Because the girls consented, they can't get him for the... Cloning. (laughs) So they charge both Lang and Haggerty for Samantha's death. Mm. On the stand, Lang admits the sperm for the babies is his, and he appears to be setting up his co-defendant to take the fall. Mm. Cabot gets Mrs. Haggerty her own lawyer and, with a push of daughterly love from Jessica, testifies against Lang. She says Samantha was on to the scam, and the doctor ordered that she be kept in the basement for reprogramming, There, they kept her for six days before she died, then left her in the alley to look like a homeless person. Mm. Enraged at this betrayal, Lang is removed from the courtroom, but not before declaring someday someone will clone a human being. Mm. Well, they drop in on that monotone lawyer and (laughs) ask her, Who cleaned out your foundation's brownstone? Yeah. And they have the nerve to say, How would we know? (laughs) Great line. Yeah. You mean you just leave the door unlocked in New York City and everything you own gets stolen? Yes, by three moving trucks. (laughs) You think you really could just call somebody and say, I need three moving trucks now? If you're in a cult? Like emergency? I mean, he is very nice. People does what he wants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He looks a little like Ashton Kutcher. 
Oh, that works. <laughs> Demi wants her shit out of here. Exactly. <laughs> Ashton can get things done. That's right. So uh, they say, Juan, why don't you come along and you can make some wild assumptions. Yep. And he's there with this shit-eating grin. And they say, well, how does he get those girls to be so compliant? These teenage girls couldn't be more vulnerable. They're not that attractive. Probably got bad grades in school. They're just social outcasts. So this cult is a place for them to fit in. And inundate them with approval and affection. It's called love bombing. You're perfect the way you are. Right, which is what every teenage girl wants to hear. He's love bombing them. Mm. <laughs> Jamie, you're the stalking expert. Does that ring true? Love bombing? Actually, yes. It, it actually does work. It is a form of, you know, getting people to do what you want, basically. It's, Manipulation. It's Manipulation, yeah. I was actually reading a long article about this this morning. Love bombing and really, yeah, you know, relationship with narcissistic people. Should I be concerned? No, based on some recent <laughs> tweets by a very high-profile tech billionaire who makes fancy electric cars. Oh, okay. And his like serial pattern of love bombing and then being bananas in all of his relationships. It's a thing. It is. It's definitely a thing. It is. We see it a lot in stalking cases. Now, first off, good on uh, Benson and Stabler for wearing masks without having to be told to. Uh, science and shit, you know. So they find Lang, who already knows that they're on to him, mm-hmm. is right in the middle of implanting embryos fertilized with his own gentleman's relish. Ew. My patient gets an infection because you've contaminated my sterile fields. She could die. Okay, is she cut open? No, of course not. Then wake her up safely. You don't understand, do you? I'm going to make medical history here. Not by using teenage girls as guinea pigs, you're not. Wake her up. You're under arrest. Where did that girl come from? Do you mean that one that's passed out on the bed that's just, like, sitting there? Yeah. Knowledge builders. Well, is she the one who left all the dirt on the floor? I mean, <laughs> I thought they found everybody. Not enough dirt. Not enough dirt was found. <laughs> she hadn't yet finished her courses at knowledge builders. <laughs> she was in the pipeline. She was in the pipeline. So at trial, Cabot's got Jessica on the stand and asks about Samantha. When was the next time you saw Samantha? Never. I didn't even know she was dead and, until a week ago when the police took us away. A week a ago? Week. <laughs> this whole thing happened in a week. <laughs> You're saying they arrested them seven days ago? That's right. And they're already on trial? Already on trial. That's right. Damn, no wonder you get a moving truck to move. Everything goes so fast in New York. It was one of the most stunning admissions of the lack of reality of this show that I have seen in an episode in a very long time. And this is an episode in which they are claiming there are clones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they did mention the actual sheep clone. Yes. Yeah. Dolly. Yeah, they made it realistic. Yeah, so a week ago. I know the dates on those dunk dunk cards are like we're just are crazy, but we're just supposed to not draw attention to that, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, like like part forty two happened within three days. No, we've learned that part forty two is not a part. It's It's a a room. We learned that. I made this mistake on the podcast when we first started. I thought it was trial part Everybody 42. thinks that. Yeah. Unless you're a lawyer in New York. It's the name of the courtrooms yeah. in the courthouses in New York. They call them parts. I know, fun fact that I learned from angry listeners when we first launched this show. Oh, well, I've officially <laughs> learned two things from this. Stay <laughs> still if a cockroach is going to bite you and it's the room. It's not like the part. Exactly. Wow. That's right. You have 42 parts and fewer than seven days after the person yeah. dies. <laughs> yes. I mean, who knows? I have a question. Yeah. Why was Wong allowed to go on that raid? He's a psychiatrist. He's not a cop. I think they said 
Well, he's an FBI agent. You want to come? Yeah, they were like, come on. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, do it. We'll get, we'll, we'll get some coffee. Yeah. Maybe get a little, little notch cups. on the way. He's like, well, look, if you're buying, I'm flying. So. <laughs> so he's in the FBI at this point. He's always been in the FBI. No, he yes. was. He, no, not always. Yes. Always. Yes. I thought that happened Now later. you've learned something. I thought that happened no, later. No, they just don't ever talk about why he's there. No, because they had the J.K. Simmons one, mm-hmm. right? Who's not in the FBI. He's not in the FBI. Skoda. He's like, a, yeah. And then I thought Wong replaced Skoda. No. I thought not, he was like a cop No, no, he didn't replace Skoda. They, they just use him. Okay. He's another one they use. Yeah. Hmm. But I do Is like- Is Olivet the, in the FBI? No. <laughs> I want a He's whole... a profiler. That's me... why he's there. But why does he... He was always citing the DSM. No, I don't think he was... I think he joined the FBI during the series. I think he went, like, left. Uh, okay, Law & Order listeners, please at Rebecca Lavoie. That's right. Rebel Lavoie, and explain to her why she's batshit crazy. And tell me more about how courtrooms are called parts in New York, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, we had a guest who had a theory, which was that... Wong doesn't actually exist. He's just a figment of Cragen's imagination, kind of like in The Sixth Sense, oh, where he yeah, just appears. I can see that. I think it's his jacket. <laughs> I, I do. I think. I think his fashion sense kind of gives him that, like, mystic aura. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Like, do you think they actually call him in? Because he doesn't work there. He's got an Fair office someplace not. else. They're like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to run down. His boss never at the FBI wants, you know, wonders where he is. Hey, I'm going down to SVU. Hmm. Talk to some children who were taken out of a, a boat or something like that. I'm going to go talk to a jeweler who's making some infinity necklaces and see what he has to say. Talk about his feelings. <laughs> totally. I'm going to go diagnose some very common in scare quotes thing that no one has ever heard of before. Yeah. Or even better, Jamie, they'll take some guy who's like terribly deranged and he'll talk to Wong, and Wong for like will talk to him for like three minutes, and he's cured. <laughs> good job. He's, yeah, he's very good at his job. He's amazing at his job. He reads all the manuals. Yeah. So at the end, Lang gets his Al Pacino moment. Doctor Lang, you are out of order. This entire trial is out of order. Don't you understand? I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save the human race. Sit down, Doctor Lang, or I will have you removed. The cat's out of the bag, folks. Remove the defendant. Science. And the future, wait for no one. If not for me, someone will clone a human being. You wait and see. You're out of order, and the system's out of order, and the trial's out of order. And then he's removed from the courtroom, and that's the end. (laughs) We, We never get a verdict. We never find out what happens to him. They just take him away, and we're supposed to be afraid that someday there'll be a clone. Hmm. I yeah. want him to call Stabler on his Catholic BS a little bit more before we saw the end of that guy. That was such a great scene, wasn't it? Stabler. That's Irish Catholic, right? Hey, pal, this ain't about me. It's about you. You believe a virgin gave birth. You think that was a very popular theory in Jesus' What I believe has got nothing to do with your case. Doesn't it? Heretics were burned at the stake for saying that the world is round. When he was like, let's get this straight. You believe, insert clip there, yeah. but you can't believe in clones? Stabler, this isn't about yeah. me. It's about my family. 
<laughs> it's about Kathleen and Maureen. <laughs> Dickie. You, getting a little more testosterone. <laughs> you will clone Dickie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of motive fishing in this episode, too, because Cabot's like beside herself about the inability to process. She's like, There's no crime. No, she's like understands it. It's Cragen. Yeah. Who's blowing a gas. Oh, he like invokes the Nazis. What Lang is doing in the name of science is no different from what Mengele did for the Nazis. Except these girls consented to the procedures. They're not old enough to consent. They are when it comes to reproductive rights. They don't need permission to get pregnant no matter how they do it. So that's it. We can't touch them. Okay. <laughs> cool. Just pull that one out anytime you want, Craig, and that's totally fine. <laughs> it's a hard one to come back from. I actually thought for one, Stabler was very kind to Jessica throughout the episode. He wasn't like his... Normal douchebag self? Yeah, I mean, maybe he does need more <laughs> testosterone. Yeah. But he was very kind to her and certainly didn't laugh in her face when she said, I'm going to be the mother of the future. I'm carrying a clone. Listen, he is very, very good with teenage girls, as evidenced completely not by his relationship with <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> Maybe he's just grateful that this kid's not his daughter. (laughs) Well, maybe he's like, uh, Jessica wants a different mother. Maybe Stabler wants a different daughter. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I want one with a nice chin. (laughs) I want one that isn't going to get busted for drunk driving and almost like get me in trouble at my job. No, just have the one that's carrying the children of the future instead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The children of the future. I love that expression. Get her master's degree and we're set. I mean, technically aren't all children the children of the future? (laughs) That's that's what Whitney Houston said. (laughs) Touche. But apparently uh, Lang is funding all this because he's promising rich people who've had children who died that he's going to clone their kid. So what happens when, and of course it's fake, but what happens when the son died and they, he gives him a daughter? It's a, bla- a clone. A black daughter. Because that's what he was going to do with Samantha's baby. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. But, of course not. But, but they think they're getting a clone. clone of their yeah. Kid. The other thing is this, that that is a very, very narrow market opportunity that you've opened up yourself. Yeah. Billionaires with children who've died. It's like this year I have... One potential client in all of the world. Give me and the I, Kennedys on the phone. And then you have to convince them that they want a clone. <laughs> yeah, and pay for it. It is like that episode with Joan yeah. Cusack who wanted a clone of what she thought was their dead daughter. Yeah. My yeah. all-time favorite SVU episode. Yeah. Oh, and are clones. Do you have a master's degree? <laughs> <laughs> shitty thing that you don't like about your kid right so you would imagine that like if they went to him, out, they, yeah out. they'd be like so this time can we just get one that cleans its room please yeah <laughs> you made a great point about samantha and that her child would be black and if the parents were not do you think they'd say look i i don't know a lot about cloning mm. but my dead son was caucasian I mean, is that, is that like, is that, I don't, I, I know it's well, sensitive time. My, I don't want to really bring it up. I'm not complaining. No, but I'm just questioning the science, doctor. Let's play it. Let's role play. Because okay. it's Lang and I'm going to yeah. do what he says he was going to do. Listen, I know I promised you a clone. Yeah. And you had a boy that was white and you ended up with a daughter that's black. But just keep this baby, and I'm just going to keep working on this cloning thing, and we'll get this right for you eventually. That's what he said his plan was, right? It's like getting a loaner car. <laughs> exactly. She'll exactly. work out just fine. <laughs>
All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Who did it? Rip from the headlines. Some plot points for this episode are taken from the story of Scientologist Lisa McPherson. After getting into a minor car accident in 1995, Lisa began acting erratically and was taken to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. Fearful she would be admitted, fellow Scientologists convinced Lisa to leave with them. They took her to the headquarters of the church's flag service organisation for a process known as an introspection rundown. Lisa was kept in a locked room for 17 days. Observers said she was incoherent and violent. She refused food and water and developed a blood clot. Staffers contacted Scientologist medical doctor David Minkoff, who agreed Lisa needed medical attention, but they feared other hospitals would put her under psychiatric care. She died while being transferred to Minkoff's hospital 45 minutes away. The church was indicted on two felonies, but prosecutors dropped the charges in 2000 after finding irregularities with the autopsy. The manner of death was changed from homicide to accident. Minkoff's medical licence was suspended for a year. A civil suit from Lisa's family was settled in 2004. Each February, protests against Scientology are held by the internet group Anonymous on Lisa McPherson's birthday. Well, there are some plot points here that are inspired from a different story. Dr. Cecil Jacobson, you'll Mm -hmm. remember we talked about that. In uh, Law and Order Season 5, Episode 15, Seed, he was the fertility doctor who was using his own knuckle chowder (laughs) on at least 75 unsuspecting mothers. Mm -hmm. If found guilty of the original neglect charges, the maximum penalty for the Church of Scientology would have been $15,000. Wow. Instead, they spent $30 million Hmm. to fight it and everyone associated with the case. Hmm. Money well spent? Uh, no, <laughs> but I actually have another observation to make. Um, I would not have known this was based on Scientology at all, which just goes to show you how scared like the showrunners of the show were to like maybe do something that was closer to Scientology for this quote cult in the episode. Because the, epi- the, cu- the kids didn't really seem that the cult part didn't really seem very culty in this episode at all. Right. No, it was it was more about the manner of cause of death. Exactly. Here, yeah. Exactly. But like it didn't track at all. I never would have guessed this was based on Scientology. But however, to go back to your original question, I'm not at all surprised that Scientology spent 30 million dollars defending a thing they would have had to pay 15 grand for. Not at all. I think if you are a casting director in Hollywood, that you probably run into a couple of Scientologists along the way. Maybe. you have any insight, Jamie? Wow. Um. First, I should ask, are you a Scientologist? I'm not. 
no. Oh, thank God. Are you afraid to talk about Scientologists? Because we totally respect it. If I you don't actually want get to. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of the Scientologists, or, or maybe I should be. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I didn't they mean have such nice fun. buildings. They have such nice buildings here in LA. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never been in one. Uh, I'm sure that I've met or know. Scientologists, but I wouldn't, uh, I don't know. I don't think that, I mean, they don't wear a t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Or maybe they do, that they just weren't wearing it the day I met them. I think the t-shirt they wear is they look preternaturally young (laughs) (laughs) and don't like psychiatry. (laughs) (laughs) So the church said that as part of the 2004 settlement with the family, that attorney Ken Dander agreed to never sue them again. Hmm. And he says, that's bullshit. Uh, he took another wrongful death suit in 2009, and that got dismissed, but then the Scientology sued him for breach, and they won $1 million. I have never heard of an attorney agreeing to not sue the same entity or thing as part of a settlement. That's weird. Yeah, and he says, I didn't agree to that shit. I don't think you can't. You can't. How would that even be legal? If it's <laughs> exactly. different. If it's a different case, what, why couldn't you just re- like sue again for a different case. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think they certainly said they've spent a lot of money. Yeah, they well, have a lot of money. They have a lot of money. Yeah, you know, to knock down every bit of this case. I will say that uh, recently, a Dander won his appeal, hmm. so that uh, one of the courts in Florida said, you know, the lower court didn't have the right to enforce that. It's yeah. not enforceable. Yeah. But in 2012, so it's part of the lawyer suit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Former Scientology executive Marty Rathbun testified. Ooh, I know who he is. You do? I do. He's like Miscavige. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, he testified at the civil trial that Scientology spent millions to influence Florida judges. Huh. And they bribed the medical examiner's attorney with Super Bowl tickets huh. and an introduction to John Travolta. Remember, this is the, <laughs> it's the medical examiner who changed her to Well, it is Florida. Yeah, I mean, right, yeah. Super Bowl tickets and John Travolta. Florida, go. Got it, yeah. No questions here. Jimmy, if someone came to you and said, don't talk shit on these are their stories about Scientology and we'll introduce you to Tom Cruise at a Dodgers game, what would you do? Oh, can we choose someone else? that's going to do it for us we want to thank our guest Jamie Beebe Jamie where can our listeners follow you online they can follow me on Instagram at feathergirl77 or on my podcast Instagram which is strictly stalking pod and Rebecca Lavoie how can our listeners follow you they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie and of course listen to the podcast Crime Writers On and you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn you can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. It is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. 
everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.